This is the Zach Ansbury Channel. Welcome. This podcast clip comes from an interview with Ryan Buckle from Top Shelf International. Yeah, definitely. And flexibility seems to be um, a key in, um, I mean, if I didn't get a job at the Institute after my PhD, chances are I would have had to move out of South Australia as well. And that's something that you seem to have uh, done uh, at least twice. Mm, yeah. yeah. So the opportunities. Yeah, I think um, this is what you probably want to try and match up here, what you want to do with your life and then how work sort of fits into it. Like, I think yeah. sometimes it's easy to go, oh, I'll move somewhere for the job. But um, I recognise, like, it's not it's not rocket science sort of wanting to leave a smaller country area and living in a city. Um, but it's part of the things that I wanted to do and I wanted to see a bit more of the world. I, I travelled a bit in the lead-up to sort of corporate life, but um, then it's sort of, it's the merging, you know, where I can live somewhere that I want to live and I can see some of the things I want to see. So I think um, just being clear about you and what you want to do and then how the career fits in, I think it's the best path. When you compromise one or the other, that's when you get yourself into trouble when you're living on the other side of the world and you don't really want to be there or um, you end up um, doing a job in a place that you don't want to live in either, which is mm-hmm. kind of you know, probably just as challenging. So I think being clear about you first is and then, you know, where the career path might take you. I think the only bias you might have is, you know, making sure that you're just pushing a little bit because a little bit of discomfort is a good thing for growth, I think. Yeah, definitely. You don't, you don't realise until you're like almost on the other side to be like, wow, I made huge leaps and bounds in that, where I wouldn't have if I just did like, you know, the usual sort of stuff. So you, you moved to more of an Asia-Pacific role, is that right? Yeah. So um, I because I had um, the big dogs as well, I've got two Great Danes. Well, they're not the same two that I had then, but um, I've, yeah. I've always had a couple of Great Danes and... My fiance was living in Melbourne. Um, it was probably more a Singapore sort of job, just because of the way that it was going to work from a, you know, just a proximity to all the markets. Like Asia Pac's a big region, and sort of Singapore mm. is in the middle of it, so it gives you a bit of um, a bit less travel time. But um, Mars were great at the time. They just said, "Look, you can live. You want to live?" So I said, "Okay, I'll base myself out of Melbourne," which um, is sort right. of at the bottom end of Asia Pac, which yeah, is not yeah, the yeah. Way to do it. <laughs> Um, I was, you know, sort of zipping up and down. It's not too bad. I mean, it sounds glamorous at the time. This is another one of the bright lights and trinkets of corporate life. Be like, oh, flying business class and five-star hotels. It gets pretty shitty after about four weeks. Um, but I think it's awesome. Like, you just got into a routine. You know, sort of get on the plane on Sunday afternoons. I'd be in Singapore by sort of half past nine, get a pretty good night's sleep, and then sort of come home Friday nights or Saturday mornings on the overnighter. And... Um, to be really honest with you, because the work was so stimulating and I'd sort of be home for a little bit and then away for a little bit, you know, four and a half years just disappeared, which is really easy to do when you're uh. sort of engrossed in what you're trying to do. You know, like literally on um, one week I could be on the in the, on the street in Delhi and, you know, you're trying to work out how to um, build a portfolio that's around key sort of currency um, denominations, you know, like you might want to gets you know a little bag of pet food for 50 cents because you can't launch a 20 kilo bag of dry food in india because there's just not the um, available cash and then a week later it could be in the ginza in tokyo and you know um talking to the guys there who turn over like twenty thousand SKUs a year and a couple of range reviews in pet care like it's yeah. just really opposite sides of um the coin so um 
amazing experience. I mean, the, the cultures as well, like I probably thought I was um, quite fluent culturally before I got into the Asian back job, but soon worked out I was not. <laughs> and uh, I mean, the, the learning there, like just di- different uh, people's ways of living their lives and what's important to them was as in re- probably more enriching than the work itself, right? Um, cultural um, barriers are... Well, they're not necessarily barriers, probably more just learning how people do things a bit differently. It's pretty easy when you're growing up in Australia and you see the world in a certain way, but um, that's not always the case. I think the values of good people are all the same, but um, how you do things. So I learned lots of uh, little tidbits, and that's probably the start of the leadership journey, really, which was it was a classic sort of influencing without authority job or herding cats, as you know they would call it. Mm-hmm. The Mars universe is really built around um, the general managers of the markets because they're empowered to do what they need to do to win. So um, my job is trying to find scale, right? So if, if three markets or four markets wanted to do the same thing, then you could get a bit more behind it because um, I didn't know we'll have factories either, so you're trying to get them to sort of work together. But it was a, it was an amazing time, right? Like, you know, I wouldn't have um, otherwise spent as much time in China as I did, as in Thailand as I did parts of Southeast Asia. I even got over to Russia a couple of times to learn about um, the Russian cat food market, which is just a juggernaut. They love cats in Russia. Just a, I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I went over there and learned about how they built the cat business. Like, you know, these are incredible opportunities and afforded to me by a brilliant organisation and I got a bit of um, sightseeing in as well. So yeah. Um, oh, anyone that gets an opportunity like that in their career, you know, just to go, if, you, if it lines up personally for you, is um, it's an incredible experience because you look at all the great um, leaders in FMCG, they've all had something like that in their lives where they've had to sort of pick up and, you know, go and drop themselves in a very unique market. And then I think for the ones that are at the top of the tree, if that's your aspiration, then they've dealt with a crisis in a foreign market with a foreign language too. Like I think it might be the four presidents of P&G have all dealt with a currency crash, you know, things like that, which you wouldn't necessarily get if you stay in Melbourne, Australia. And mm. I mean, we're going through a bit of it now with COVID, right? I guess everyone's probably learning a bit about it, but um, yeah, amazing experiences. So, well, look, it wasn't necessarily an overseas live, but I was, um, for probably 20, 24 weeks of the year, I was in it. Hey guys, it's Zach Ainsbury here with just a couple of quick reminders. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, then make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. There are plenty more interviews to come with some of the world's leading marketing academics and practitioners. You do not want to miss these. In the meantime, if you're looking for another way to connect, then follow me on Twitter at Zach Ainsbury. That is Z-A-C-A-N-E-S-B-U-R-Y for my take on the marketing issues of the day.